Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good day once again, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It is your Friday and weekend edition of the show, the completion of our second week of the offseason. We'll get there. We'll get there before you know it. It'll be May. Before you know it, it'll be June. Before you know it, it'll be July. It does sound like a lot when I'm saying them all out loud like that. It's warm today. I don't think it's supposed to stay warm for that long, but it is warm today. I'm also feeling festive for those watching live. Super Mario Brothers shirt on. Old school Visalia Oaks hat. Angry acorn atop my dome. Feeling spry, baby. I have slept through the night for two consecutive evenings, and I am jacked full of energy as a result. So now you guys got full throttle Dan today. We're going to talk a little bit about tanking teams. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in the NBA playoffs. But first, hi. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. And the big news of the morning, the Raptors have moved on from head coach Nick Nurse. And this will have fantasy ramifications because from a contractual standpoint, that team is, and and don't worry, we'll we'll get to the Raptors way down the line when we're doing our our team recap stuff. Uh, But Freddie Van Vliet has a a player option for $23 million for this coming season that he could decline. Gary Trent Jr. has a player option. Um, OG's got one year left and then a player option himself. So there could be some shakeups coming out in Toronto. And then whoever comes in, they ain't going to play these guys, you know, 37 minutes of ball game or whatever they always get under Nick Nurse. Yeah, Freddie Van Vliet was 37 minutes a game. These guys just rolling in minutes. So this is going to have an impact, but we'll kind of reassess when we see how this is going. We've heard the name Ime Udoka floated around. Which, you know, whatever how you feel about all of that stuff. I think there was, was going to be a year-long ban from Boston, and then they ended up letting him go, and so now he ended up being gone for a year. And I don't know. I'm not going to wade into those waters on this podcast, but it is interesting. Uh, Raptors, big-time underachievement as far as this year goes. It does kind of feel like this group or however they're all feeling. It's just time. Also... That was, that was a non-fantasy note, but it was basketball-related. Uh, Shout-out to my good buddy Keith Cork, who runs our DFS Today podcast here at Sports Ethos, one of our betting, our, uh, betting and fantasy and DFS experts, for nailing his Malcolm Brogdon sixth man of the year prop at the beginning of this season. That future hit at 13-1 to 1 odds. So folks in the wager pass got a nice, tidy little 13-1 to 1 winner there. I don't know how much... What he put on it? One unit. Either way, plus 13 units in one little award ceremony. That's good for a day's work. And for those that are wondering how they can get in on all of that good stuff, the Wager Pass is available via the link in the show description. Make sure to use coupon code ABSURD, A-B-S-U-R-D, for 75% off the first month that you have the Wager Pass. It goes back up to normal price after the first month. But again, we're so damn confident that you're going to win money And like, look, if you got that Malcolm Brogdon prop to cash this month, there's very little that that team could do where you wouldn't have a profitable month. 
and they continue to do so. You got the Aaron Bruski playoff betting journal on top of everything else involved. Mike Fiddles plays. You got uh, Blake's baseball plays, Doug's plays, and all the different things. The list goes on and on. I don't want to leave people out, so I feel bad about I start to list the names, and I'm like, I got I, I know I'm missing a bunch of dudes. And that just doesn't feel fair. Uh, Adam, he's been wonderful. Bryce has been amazing. Cashing tickets in tennis. Like it's going out of style. Love that wager pass. And for three and some odd dollars for the first month with that code absurd. I mean, most websites, if you're going to pay for plays, for expertise, it's going to cost you like 20 to $40 for one day. This is three for a month. Anyway, go to the link. You can find it. Sportsethos.com. Click on the premium tab if you don't have the link in front of you. Make sure to check that out. Hop on board. Give it a try. Again, it's so very little to demo it out. So let's talk a little bit about how tanking can play a role. And and this is the start of a discussion that we're going to complete as we get closer to actual fantasy draft season because there's a lot that needs to go into this. But it was fresh on my mind when we were talking um, about Monday about the old man squad. That's when it popped into my head. And uh, because it came up on two different occasions in that you got the Shea Gilgis Alexander where everybody thought the Thunder were a threat to tank. I figured they might tank for one more year. They didn't. They were simply too functional to tank. Um, And then it also came up on, not that we, again, Shea was on the old man squad, so I don't want to take any credit away from ourselves on that one. But it also came up on the flip side in that I like the number of San Antonio Spurs that were generally underachieving with the exception of Jakob Pertl, and that was mostly because he got traded in the middle of the season anyway. So we have to ask ourselves, how do we assess tank risk on draft day? And the answer is, for head-to-head leagues, it's a bigger deal than it is for Roto Leagues. Because with Roto, at least you can kind of uh, rack up stuff at the beginning of the season. Head-to-head, beginning of the season is great and all. Maybe it gets you to the playoffs, but if your key guys aren't there come fantasy playoff season, it kills you. So let's just get that out of the the way early. Tank fears are more legitimate on the head-to-head side than they are on Roto. You're going to hear discussion about how we need to throw out some of this stuff because of what happened in Oklahoma City. And that's a reasonable point, but one that I would say is more the outlier than the norm. That is to say, Shea, who was getting drafted low because of a preseason injury, not because of the tank risk. He was going in the 20s when it was a tank risk on him, and then he dropped down into the 40s when it was an injury happened already and then you know finishing inside the top five was no one expected that regardless of tank risk nobody thought he was going to be a top five guy I think most analysts figured that he would sit somewhere in the 25 range on a per game basis with some built-in upside and then you had the big fear that he might sit you know an extra eight to 12 games in the second half of the season and so that full season win total or uh, games total was just not going to be as high. Now, that didn't happen 
So Shea not only obliterated his ADP on a per-game basis, but he also did so by totals. But here's the thing. The other teams that you were looking at, we, all, you, me, whoever, were looking at coming into this season as possible tank risks were the Spurs, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Pistons. At least that's who I thought. There were some that also included the Magic in that. I didn't think the Magic were going to tank because they just got the number one overall pick. And it's kind of a slap in the face of the league to get the number one and then say, yeah, we're going to just keep on trying to lose. They lost plenty of games. Orlando lost 48 games, but they weren't trying to lose them. And that's why they won 34. And they were, by all accounts, a relatively middling, slightly sub-middling basketball team, as opposed to what you got out of teams like Detroit, San Antonio, uh, and Houston in particular. Those were the largest offenders of the bunch. The Jazz were another example, if you want to throw them on the, the pile here, in, in addition to the Thunder, of a team where there was significant tank fears coming into the season, and we had to make a choice on whether or not we cared about those tank fears. I made the case, and you'll see this as we get deeper into the Dan Vespers old man squad, that guys like Mike Conley and Kelly Olynyk were worth drafting because you could get them at 115 or later in your draft. And this was head-to-head or roto and just ride them as far as they could go. As it turned out, Conley got traded, so he ended up playing out the string with a different team. Uh, he was number 88 this year on a per-game basis, played in 71 out of 82 games, so by totals... Uh, he was actually, I believe, even better than that. Yeah, 77, so he moved up the board a tiny bit in totals as well. And then you had Kelly Olynyk, who missed a bunch of time for what seemingly were legitimate injuries, but he still got into 68 games, which is basically right around the league average this year. Uh, finished at 104 per game and right around 104 by totals. In kind of a weird twist, the reason that Olynyk was at 104 was because his turnovers were at two and a half. Super strange little footnote on Kelly Olynyk that he was actually better uh, in 8-cat than he was in 9, and by a pretty good chunk also. That was not how we thought that thing would go. Kelly Olynyk 8-cat was number 76. And frankly, if you're drafting someone at the end who has a few more turnovers than you expected, you probably don't care about it that much because you're you're... Unless you were punting turnovers, in which case you were just like, all right, well, this is, I don't give a crap about this at all. If you were just building out a regular team and you were trying to compete in turnovers, you probably made some selections earlier that were like in between. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. 
Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. That is to say, you didn't draft Kelly Olynyk specifically for the low turnovers. You drafted him because you thought you'd get a smattering of points, boards, assists, steals, some threes, decent percentages, blah, blah, blah. And that's what you got. So those two guys ended up being hits, and I would argue better than expected because Olynyk generally played down the stretch for a tanking Jazz team, and Conley got traded and played down the stretch for a non-tanking Minnesota Timberwolves team. So you could argue that if you thought the Jazz were going to tank and you took a shot on some of these guys, they worked out. But I want to add the caveat. And this is funny because I'm kind of arguing against myself because I said, go ahead, go take Olenek and Mike Conley. The caveat has to be, I believe, that if you're targeting players on teams that are a tanking risk, and Utah was very much a tanking risk coming into this year, you can look young. That's the easy play. Someone like a Walker Kessler who stepped into a really big role and is going to be a dynamite big man for a long time to come. Or you can look at later in the draft, where if it doesn't pan out in the middle parts to later parts of your season, it's not a shot to your gut. The flip side of this is a team like San Antonio. Now, by the way, we should also point out the Rockets didn't really sit there, guys. They just sucked. K.J. Martin, Tari Eason, those guys played all 82 games this year. Jabari Smith Jr. played 79, Shangun 75, Jalen Green 76. They were just terrible. They were just a bad team. They didn't even need to rest their guys to lose ball games because they were finding ways to lose them even with their dudes in the game. Those are guys you did or did not draft based on actual fantasy potential output. But it was a little bit risky, you know, if you were going to go down the Shangun route. The nice thing about the Rockets and the reason that you didn't have to worry about it quite as much is that these guys are all unbelievably young. So tanking teams will often still play the young guys because they feel like they can lose with the young guys. Circuitous route here. Let's go to San Antonio now uh, and Detroit because Detroit was sort of heavily young guys that also were bad enough that the team would lose, and then they shut Cade down for the season. And, you know, we'll never really know what would have happened to Cade at the end of the year. Spurs were a team where they were like, look, we got enough guys on this club that... I... Devin Vassell's not a veteran. Trey Jones is not a veteran. Zach Collins is kind of a veteran. Keldon Johnson isn't really a veteran. But the Spurs decided to play it the other way. Where Vassell, he had some injuries that were going on. They kept him out for half the season. Trey Jones had some real injuries going on. He missed 14 games. That's not too bad. Zach Collins took over a bigger role midseason when they moved off of Jakob Pertl, who was very much a, a rest risk down the stretch. But then Collins got some rest down the stretch. Keldon Johnson got rest down the stretch. Jeremy Sohan, a rookie, got rest down the stretch. So you just... Unfortunately, the conclusion in all of this is that there's nothing that's actually fully set in stone for what's going to happen with these teams that you feel are going to tank. It's team dependent. We know San Antonio is much more into the whole rest philosophy. 
And I think that team also felt like they would have accidentally won some games if they were playing all of Collins and Trey Jones and Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson and Sohan uh, or even Pirtle when he was there. If they were actually playing these guys normal minutes, I think they would have accidentally bumbled into a few more wins. So that's something you need to kind of keep in the back of your head. But at the same time, the Spurs have shown their hand time and again. That's not a team that's going to play their guys all season long. Basically ever. And I think you can feel similarly about San Antonio next year, whether they get Victor Wembanyama or somebody else. They're probably not going to try to play their guys 74 games. No one on the Spurs that was there the entire season and finished the season in San Antonio, no one hit 70 games this year. Trey Jones at 68 was the biggest. Devontae Graham played in 73 games overall, but he didn't start the year in San Antonio. And then I think Jakob Pertl, he got into 70-plus games, but he didn't finish the year in San Antonio. What was the final number for Jakob? 73? So we already know that about San Antonio. So what do we do with this information? What do we do with understanding that the Spurs are not going to play their guys and the Rockets probably will play their guys and Detroit seemed like they were willing to play the young guys unless they had something going on? Like they gave Jalen Duran a couple weeks off here and there just to kind of keep him fresh. Maybe they don't need to play him. Uh, how many games did Duran finish with this year? I feel like it was high 60s. Is that the right number? 67? Yeah, they probably were never gunning for mid-70s in games. They just found time to give him off for general soreness. Uh, Jaden Ivey played in 74 games, so he made it. So again, it's different per team, and it's different per player, but we also need to be cognizant of this stuff as we look towards the future. So let's look at next year, and it's hard to know exactly what's going to happen on April 21st, do we think the Blazers are going to go into a teardown? Hard to say. It seems like Dame wants to give it another push. Uh, are there any teams that made the playoffs in the Western Conference that look like they're teetering on a teardown? I doubt it. Do we think the Rockets try to... Do we think the Rockets tank again? I think the answer to that is no. I think the Rockets are... This is kind of their last chance to... Uh, lose, I don't want to say on purpose necessarily, but to uh, lose without consequence is maybe the best way to put it. They're going to get one more good player, and they're going to just have to turn them loose, kind of like the way they did this year, but it just didn't work. So you hope that they get better. Spurs, they could very easily tank again, because this was the first year where they really leaned into it. They had DeJounte Murray the previous season. They, were, they made the play-in, right? Yeah, they made the play-in last year. So, Spurs could very easily be tanking again. Eastern Conference, Wizards just fired their GM, so they could blow it up. Pacers, they won 35 games this season. Do we think that they dis do any dismantling? I doubt it, but you never know. Magic are on the upswing. Hornets, could they lean harder into it? Uh, it's going to depend on who stays and who goes. Pistons, they've been losing for a while. They just moved Dwayne Casey into the front office. Next year feels like a season where there are going to be very few teams that are tanking right out of the chute. With the wild cards being teams like, do the Hawks blow it up? Do the Bulls blow it up? Do the Raptors blow it up? And then on the Western Conference side is kind of, uh, do the Blazers blow it up? 
and do the Jazz start the year in a tank, which feels somewhat probable. So the Spurs, let's say maybe the Jazz in the Western Conference. I don't know that anybody else is an obvious one. And over on the Eastern Conference, is there anybody? That's one that's like almost a guaranteed. I, I don't I don't think so. You might have like two, two maybe going into next year, three. But then what do you do with it? Let's say hypothetically that what we're lining out here is the thing that actually happens. Let's say that the Spurs are tanking again next year, which which feels highly probable, but you never know. Maybe they'll maybe they'll get a top pick and decide they want to just see how many wins they can pile up, and and next year you'll only see like legitimate losing on purpose at the very, very end of the year. And then this doesn't become quite the same problem, but let's say hypothetically the Spurs tank and the Jazz tank. What do you do with, say, like a Walker Kessler? Because they played him all the way down the stretch this season. Would they play him all year long next year if they were trying to lose? That's a decision that we're going to have to make probably on draft night. And I got to say, today, I don't know that I have the right answer to that. You do kind of have to build that into your discussion. And the Spurs, I mean, did we learn our lesson this year? Probably. I don't know that you could draft any Spurs uh, next year in head-to-head. Could they really just do a one-year tank job? That probably only works if they ended up with uh, Wembenyama. Uh, but anything is possible. Anything's possible. So I just th- I think the lesson learned here is maybe you just don't quite dive in head first, but you also can't really say no to all of them because. Olinick worked, and Conley worked, and Pirtle got traded, and he worked, and Shea obviously worked for the Thunder. And then the examples of it not working, if you want to talk about tank teams, are like Cade and Vassell and Keldon Johnson. Uh, and so maybe the argument here comes back to kind of where we started, which is if you have to spend a pick inside the top 60, say, range on a player that could end up on a team that's just not really trying to get him to more than 65 games, maybe that's a spot where you just play it safe. So Kessler, who probably should be going in the top 50 range next year, maybe that's a spot where you'd love to have him, but perhaps you just play it safe. And if you're worried about, again, we'll know more about what these teams are doing after free agency, but if you're worried about, say, the Hornets going into a tank. Maybe you don't draft LaMelo Ball next year. If you're worried about the Pacers going into a tank, which I don't think is going to happen, but maybe the Raptors, who's left out there? Maybe you dodge those guys because you'd have to spend a pretty early draft pick. But if we're debating whether or not you should be thinking about spending a pick on, like, you know, pick 90, 100, 105, 110 on a team that may or may not be tanking at the end of the year, I don't think you have to worry about it there. Because, again, I think that you can pile up stuff early in the season. I think that's worthwhile in both formats. 
All right, let's talk about uh, NBA playoff stuff, which, you know, it's a, a little loaded here because we're going to try to go through the weekend as best we can. <laughs> um, we'll throw the box scores up for folks watching on YouTube. Tonight, Celtics are a five-and-a-half-point favorite in Atlanta against the Hawks. Uh, that is up from four totals sitting right around 228, 229. And you guys know what we like to do here, which is to go to the previous game or games and just get a feel for how the series is going. Boston beat Atlanta 119-106 in the last ball game. It was a relatively high-paced game. That saw Boston show a lot of efficiency uh, in there on their side. They didn't simply need as many looks. Atlanta had a ton of looks. Nobody got to the free throw line that game. I actually think, and this is sort of a weird note on this one, that like you saw the last ball game end at 225, and the total was 231 is where it closed on that one. They brought this number down only by a little bit. I actually thought 231 was a pretty reasonable number. But we also have to weigh in the idea of does a series continue to slow down the farther you get into the series? And so far in this one, the answer is not really. And I don't know that either team necessarily wants to slow it down. It's not clear that it would favor one or the other necessarily. But you're seeing a fast-tempoed series so far. There's also, in my mind, a decent probability that you get more free throws in the next one. So even if the pace slows down, and even if there's, uh, a, even if there's some sort of efficiency dip on the Boston side or something of that nature, you may see more points coming with the clock stopped. So I actually think this total is relatively accurate. You guys know I like to try to look for unders to get into them. I actually think that this one could inch over the total a little bit. And as far as the side goes, I haven't really seen anything to make me think that the Hawks can really compete in this series. But at the same time, the Celtics, this is sort of ripe for a letdown game because they haven't really been punched in the mouth yet by Atlanta. And so maybe this is the game that that happens. I would dodge the side and have a very small lean to the over on the total. Knicks and Cavs is a really tough one for me. I think that all of these games come down to the wire. We saw the Knicks just have a brutal shooting game their last time out. They'll probably be better in this one. Total is 2 at 11 and a half. It's down from an opening number of 213. Last one ended at 197, although the game actually was played a little bit quicker than that would indicate. Still, there were 51 free throws. There were 34 turnovers in that game. There's just a lot of things that could counterbalance each other. But the biggest one is that New York has to shoot better than 37%. They're just not going to win a ball game if they don't. Uh, Cavaliers were solid in a lot of respects in this one. They weren't like an overwhelmingly great basketball club, but they were good in a lot of respects, and that worked out well. So what does that mean for us as we look at this Cavs-Knicks next one? Uh, Knicks are a one-and-a-half-point favorite. They haven't been that great at home this year, so I, I, there may be a slight over-adjustment on that number. I would look at the Cavs. Uh, I do think that they kind of figured something out in the last ball game, slightly to the Cavaliers. Um, the total's right. I don't know that this game could slow down much more than it did, honestly. Uh, still, still think it ticks under by a hair, but... We're almost to that point where the value flips back to the over in this series because they just keep going slower and slower or they keep going worse and worse shooting. 
Nuggets, two-point favorites in Minnesota. This is surprising to me. Uh, I thought that oddsmakers could get away with putting a bigger number on the Denver side, Um, but this is probably about where it should be. Minnesota was not... I mean, I know that they got beat up in in the first ball game, but Minnesota put up a pretty good fight in the last one. What the hell day was that? Was that Wednesday where they played last? Denver beat them by nine, ultimately, but it, it took a mondo effort from Jamal Murray, who had 40 points. We haven't even really seen Nikola Jokic engage... I give a hoot mode yet. We also saw Minnesota kind of start to figure some stuff out in the second half of that game, at least on the offensive side. I don't know that they have any prayer of slowing down Denver. Uh, you can hope that Jamal Murray has a slightly quieter ball game. You can also hope that Cat uh, plays better because he's been horrendous in this series so far. And I think he'll probably take that a tiny bit personally. Uh, this feels like the game where the Nuggets get their first kind of wake-up call of the playoffs. I also think Minnesota is able to control the tempo a little bit more, and you don't see the sort of supernova Jamal Murray and uh, Anthony Edwards games. So slight lean to the under, eh, maybe even a, more than a slight lean to the under. I know the last game at 235, um, but that ball game wasn't nearly as fast as 235 points might indicate. Both teams shot the ball exceptionally well. Turnovers were low. Free throw percent was high. Yeah, this stuff is repeatable for these clubs, for sure. I mean, that that type of stuff could happen again. But, I mean, Jamal Murray, huge game. Michael Porter Jr. shot the ball well. Aaron Gordon shot it well. Jokic shot it well. Jeff Green shot it well. They got stuff from everybody on that Denver side. And then for Minnesota, huge game for Anthony Edwards. Rudy Gobert had a big ball game. Conley was 5 for 9. Slow-mo was 4 for 5. Really, only Cat of, like, any... Uh, notable players in this game, Cat was the only one who didn't have a productive offensive night. So let's say he does now, but you got to figure like one of the seven other guys I just listed probably doesn't. I would think that these games, at least from just like a general speed standpoint right now, are playing more in the range of where the total's at, which is 222. Pace was actually even lower than that. I think it, the pace had this game, and and it's going to be artificially deflated when everybody makes buckets because you don't have offensive rebounds and short shot clocks and stuff like that. Um, and low turnovers also help with pace. It or it slows the pace down because you know teams use the whole shot clock. They get a shot up. It's not running back and forth like Looney bins. Uh, so yes. There was a slight depression here, but Minnesota was only at like 105, 106 possessions. Denver was only at like 107, 108. So, I mean, 213-ish. Yeah, they probably go over that, over 213, because these teams are good. Nuggets in particular are very good offensively. I just, I think the Wolves control this thing a little bit better than they have on the road. Lean to the Wolves, lean to the under. Other games throughout the weekend. That's only three of the series, so we got a little ways to go here. Um, Saturday is a busy one. Sixers, five-and-a-half-point road favorites at Brooklyn. That total is 208-and-a-half now. You know, every time I think that it couldn't go much lower, it goes lower. That last one was was 109. And again, the Nets just sort of don't have... They, they can't score on Philly. 
Things are getting a little chippy. That usually drives numbers down. Free throws were very low in that last ball game. Turnovers were also relatively low. I don't know. I, I just I don't feel like Philly's going to lose focus here. It doesn't feel like that's what's about to happen. Slightly into the over because that number has gotten pretty darn low now at at 208. We'll see where it goes between today and Saturday. Sixers at five and a half point road favorites. That's a relatively accurate number. Um, I think they probably do get the sweep. Suns, five and a half point road favorites at Clippers. I don't think we see Kawhi Leonard. Um, so it's hard for me to see the Clippers hanging in there again, the way that they did yesterday. Total of 226 and a half. Clippers are going to try to spread it out and run it. As again, we saw yesterday, they tried to spread it out and run it, and they made this one a very high-paced ball game. And the Suns were kind of happy to oblige. But the big thing from yesterday, Suns took 46 free throws. There were 71 combined in the ballgame. So I would certainly start with the under if you're going to look at anything in Suns Clippers and then move the other way. Uh, so, yeah, kind of like the under there. I, I can't imagine that we get 71 free throws again. There's going to be so much complaining between games that they're going to let them beat each other up. I don't think the Clippers can score the way they did in the last one. Um, so Suns Clippers under is actually probably my favorite play we've talked about, at least on the Saturday card. Nuggets T-Wolves under is something that I'm liking today so far. Bucks Heat. Bucks five-point uh, road favorites. It seems like they're not sure if Giannis is going to play in this ball game. Slight expectation he's back. If Giannis is back, I think I'd look at an under. Uh, hard for me to say until we get there, so let's just kind of bump over that one. Lakers four and a half point home favorites to the Grizzlies. Total of 220 and a half. I think you're going to get a better game out of Anthony Davis, but you are going to continue to see this series get more and more grindy from an offensive standpoint. So the fact that the last one ended at a buck 96, I don't think that was super fluky. Uh, admittedly, the Lakers were very bad on offense. Um, Anthony Davis in particular was the guy that they're they're just going to need to get more out of. D'Angelo Russell also they're gonna he's he's been awful in these playoffs so far. Um, so yeah, I mean even if this even if the pace stays lower, which you know more like two fifteen that neck of the woods two fifteen two sixteen on pace, I don't think that the teams blow that number out of the water. I kind of like that the number is going up, which might give us a little bit of breathing room, but as of now, uh, not high enough for me to get in on the under for Lakers-Grizzlies and not low enough for me to get in on the over. Not enough wiggle room on either side. Lakers four-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that's a good number. This is going to be a tight ball game. We'll see if Ja plays. I don't really care either way. It's it's going to be tight. It's going to be a battle uh, on either side. Um, slightly into the Grizzlies. To keep it close, feels like a game that's going to be decided by one to four or five points, but I wish we could get more like five and a half or six on the Memphis side. That would probably make me consider that a play. And then the last series, Kings and Warriors. Dubs are an eight-point favorite on Sunday. That's crazy. I know they beat the Kings by a bunch in the last one, but that was the wake-up call game. Now Sacramento knows how hard they got to play on the road to compete. And even if the Kings lose to tie the, the series back up 2-2, it's going to be a ball game. That's going to be a game. I, I like the Kings a lot at 8. It, that, feels num that number is absurd. Um, total of 293.5. Nope, excuse me, that's actually down already to 290. Did I say 293? 239.5. Down to 238. It's fine. I know how to speak. 
Dano speaks okay. Uh, and everybody's betting the under after this last ball game that was, what, 211? But neither team could shoot a lick. Warriors at least managed to not turn the ball over and hit three-pointers, and they rebounded really well. But this game was like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and nobody hit any shots. And we knew there was going to be a big undercoming in this series because it just wasn't going to keep up the same way with tons of free throws and good shooting. And the free throw number came down to a more reasonable level in this last one. And so now you're going to start to see that total moving that way. Uh... 239 still feels really high, but I do think the Kings are going to be a little more uh, prepared. Teams are going to have to kind of keep up with one another. If you bet the under in this one, which is the direction I'd look, you're going to be kind of gritting your teeth the whole ball game because it's going to be scary. They're going to play fast. The Kings will not slow down, but they will be better offensively than they were in game three. Uh, but I do like Sacramento on the side. So let's see if I can remember what the hell I said as we were going through this. Uh, Nuggets, T-Wolves, I like the under in that one today. Not a not a ton else. Calves, I guess, are okay as a, as a look. Um, Suns, Clippers, under on Saturday is kind of calling our name. Grizzlies side on Saturday. If we, uh, you know, hard to make a wager on that one without knowing what's going on with John Morant. But um, maybe you wait on that. Uh, no. Nah, mm. Yeah, I feel like this number is with Ja expected to play because the Lakers' four-and-a-half-point favorite is basically like, okay, Lakers are like a one-point neutral side favorite or almost calling these teams a dead heat. And that feels like Ja is in if they're going to call him a dead heat. And then uh, Kings on Sunday. I, I just I know that the Kings didn't keep up yesterday, but I'll keep going back to the well on that one. Kings have impressed me all season long. There's no reason for me to move off of that yet. And if you want plays from folks that are doing this for uh, more than 30 to 40 minutes a day, go get the wager pass with coupon code ABSURD at sportsethos.com. Absurd knocks 75% off the first month of the wager pass. It's like three and change dollars for a $15 subscription, and you'll leave uh, at the end of the month with money. Can't promise it. Everything, anything can happen in sports betting, but I think our guys have been up something like 10 of the last 11 months as a team, so your odds are pretty good right now. That's not a limited sample size. That's like a 1,000 plays probably all rolled together between the team. And up, 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 up. They just keep moving their way slowly up the board. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, next chunk of the Dan Bespris Old Man Squad on Monday. So, yes, we already know what we're doing on our next show. Yeah, isn't that nice? Planning ahead a little bit. And then I think we'll have another team review after that because I'm fairly certain that another one is dropping on Sports Ethos either today or over the weekend. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I am Dan Bespris for Fantasy NBA Today. Thank you to everyone on YouTube and traditional channels for hanging out with us. Please like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube for the first time and just, you know, bumbling into this show in the offseason. And for the diehards that hang out with me on the recorded side all offseason long, please drop a five-star review. Tell your friends, retweets, whatever you can do to keep spreading the word. We'll keep trying to grow here. Uh, much love. See you Monday. <laughs>